Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Shamboard was our very first sponsor of Undistracted. They believed in us from the very beginning and to celebrate our partnership, to show our gratitude, we just hosted an intimate conversation live in DC with Tiffany Cross. We sipped on Shamboard Royales and toasted you, our listeners. But not to worry if you weren't there live, you're about to hear the special conversation. Cheers, y'all. It's Brittany. Well, I'm fully back into work mode since my leave. Like, I'm back to doing all 5011 of my jobs. And let me tell you, I have 5011 of them. <laughs> but parenting, if you want and choose to do it, is absolutely 10 out of 10 would recommend. Like, it is very lit to have someone who just smiles at you just because you're there. I really feel like I hung the moon every time he looks at me and giggles. He loves the way I sing Stevie Nicks' Edge of 17. He gets very excited for our morning dance parties and is becoming quite excellent at being off of all of his oxygen support. He also loves to fart at inopportune times and clear the room, but that is a different topic for a different day. These last three months he's been home and I've been on leave have flown by because I was having the absolute time of my life. The absolute most sleepless, confounding, confusing, beautiful time of my life. But now that I'm back at work, all of my anxieties have set in. My friend asked me the other day if I feel like myself yet, and I felt so relieved when she did because I could finally look at somebody in the eye who wasn't my therapist or my husband and say, truthfully, no. 
I'm doing my best to prayerfully see this new adventure as an opportunity to become. And yet, I spent 37 years becoming the woman I am before I became a mom, and well, I miss that chick. She was funny and well-traveled and intense, and this new me is fantastic. At least I think so, because frankly, I don't know her all the way yet. I feel wobbly. I feel foreign to myself, this body, this brain. I know I've been transformed. I just haven't fully made sense of how yet. Suffice it to say, I'm on a new journey. And I thought it would be all about learning feeding habits and baby proofing and tummy time, but it's actually about who I have to be in the world for him, for me, for my community. It's about trying my damnedest to be that person with full clarity and without apology. I am undistracted, and I hope you are too. show today, I'll be talking to my MSNBC colleague, Tiffany Cross, about changing the narrative of fear around our liberation, the opportunities that the Democratic Party is leaving on the table, and what the work is now that Roe has been overturned. Suburban white women can do organizing right in your community. I mean, that is grassroots organizing, because you're talking to your friends, you're talking to the grandmother who has questionable views. You're talking to your sister-in-law who, you know, says things like, well, they're racist against whites. You know, like you have to disrupt some of these narratives and confront some of these ugly conversations because we do it all the time. And it might be uncomfortable, but we've been uncomfortable a long time. That's coming up. But first, it's the news. While millions of Americans were out barbecuing and shooting off fireworks last weekend, and apparently still today in my neighborhood, geez, WNBA star Brittany Griner sat in a jail cell in Russia, just like she has for the last 142 days. Griner was detained in Russia right at the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine. She was arrested at the Moscow airport after being accused of having cannabis oil in her suitcase. On Monday, she sent a handwritten plea for help, a request to not be forgotten to President Biden himself. Russian officials have ordered Griner to remain in custody until her trial, which began last week, plays out. Despite the U.S. charge that she's been wrongfully detained, many people say that this will be a sham trial. Her wife, Sherelle, says that she's learned that Griner is transported to and from court in a very, very tiny cage. And that drive is around five hours. She's in a position where she could be harmed by any and everything I do. And so um, it's, a, it's a thin line to walk in initially. You know, I was told we're going to try and handle this behind scenes and, you know, let's not raise her value and, you know, stay quiet. And, you know, I did that. And, and, and respectfully, that does not work. In Griner's letter, the basketball star pleads with the president to not forget her and other American detainees, writing, please do all you can to bring us home. I voted for the first time in 2020, and I voted for you. I believe in you. I still have so much good to do with my freedom that you can help restore. The U.S. government says it's doing all it can to bring her home, 
But Sherelle doubts their claim, and she's trying to bring as much visibility to the case as possible. That each of us can help with that. Keep Britney's name on your social feeds and in your conversations, and visit wearebg.com to support the cause. Y'all, there's no way LeBron James would still be languishing in that cell or even be forced to play overseas to begin with due to those misogynistic salary inequities WNBA stars face. Brittany Griner, we see you. We have not forgotten you and we will not forget you. You have been deeply wronged. You deserve justice. And we are BG. Y'all know it has been a very bleak few weeks in the judicial branch. Between the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the court working to strip the Environmental Protection Agency of its power, and the loosening of gun laws, the Supreme Court has been on one. There's been a lot of righteous noise about these high-profile rulings, but I want to draw our attention to a decision that may have gotten lost for some of us, but that has equally devastating implications. Last Wednesday, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of Oklahoma in its bid to prosecute Victor Castro Huerta for child neglect. Now, Castro Huerta is not indigenous, but the child he's charged with neglecting is and lives on the Cherokee Nation reservation. What makes this ruling so significant is that in the past, crimes like these have been handled by the federal government, not at the state level. An act of Congress is required to give states authority over anything on tribal land. But not anymore, according to the Supreme Court. By allowing the state to prosecute Castro Huerta, the court is overturning nearly 200 years of tribal sovereignty. According to legal scholar Mary Catherine Nagel, who is a member of the Cherokee Nation herself, quote, the court's decision not only contradicts the plain language in the United States Constitution and prior court precedent, it also significantly jeopardizes the safety and welfare of Native women and children who live on tribal lands. Nothing is more colonial and harmful than telling Native women and children that they will not be protected by their own tribal nations, but rather must seek refuge in the courts of the states that have historically and to this day sought to exterminate them. America has long failed to honor its treaty obligations with the original inhabitants and heirs to this land. And now they're going for the most basic, fundamental pieces. Tribal sovereignty can't exist without judicial autonomy, and without it, we're opening the door to a more colonial United States and a less free indigenous community. Let's end on a more hopeful note. Simone Biles, mental health warrior and gymnast extraordinaire, is being awarded a Presidential Medal of Freedom today. An expert in history making and record setting herself, Biles is officially the youngest recipient ever of this esteemed honor. The award places her among legends like Diana Ross, Meryl Streep, Steveland Hardaway Morris, aka Stevie Wonder the Goat, and friend of the pod, Gloria Steinem. And it's great that the government is saluting Biles and her resounding cultural impact. She deserves. The thing is, in the midst of all of this, Biles, along with around 100 other gymnasts, have simultaneously been suing the FBI for its failure to properly investigate the U.S. gymnastic team's former doctor, Larry Nasser. Nasser was, of course, convicted of sexual assault and other charges after more than 200 gymnasts charged that he abused them. 
Biles and her teammates at USA Gymnastics alerted the FBI to the violence back in 2015. But that organization failed to act for over a year. So we are incredibly happy for Simone Biles. We are also incredibly frustrated for her. The same government that acknowledges her with the highest possible civilian honor also fails to vindicate her against the man who assaulted her and many other U.S. gymnasts. Let's back up those honors with action and hold the FBI accountable. Coming up, I'll be talking to the brilliant Tiffany Cross, host of The Cross Connection on MSNBC, right after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey y'all, I want to shout out Shambord again for being such an incredible sponsor of Undistracted. We hope you're enjoying the show. To create your own Shambord Royale and toast along with us while you listen, just grab your favorite fancy cocktail glass, pour the sparkling wine or a bubbly of your choice, add a splash of Shambord, then garnish with fresh berries like raspberries or blackberries. Visit your local wine or liquor retailer today to find Shambord. Remember, please drink responsibly. Shambord Black Raspberry Liqueur, 16.5 ABV, Brown Foreman, Louisville, Kentucky. Shambord Board is a registered trademark, copyright 2022. And we are back. So I would never trade my life pre-baby M for now. But you know, sometimes when you're up in the middle of the night doing a feeding, you reminisce a little bit. And I often think about this vacation I went on last summer with some of my best girlfriends, the group chat, capital G, capital C, because everybody got one. It's a little bit ratchet. It's a little bit political. It's a lot of bit encouraging and it's always funny. And last July, we got together in real life to talk and enjoy each other. The conversations we had were so soul warming, funny and ratchet. And you need all three of those sometimes. You know, you need all three of those sometimes. That is my dear friend Tiffany Cross, the host of The Cross Connection on MSNBC. She was on that incredible trip and in those amazing conversations. And it was just joyful. It was. And joy is an act of defiance in this space sometimes. And we need that. So... I got to tap into that joy again last week when I talked to Tiffany at an event we at The Meteor held in Washington, D.C. in front of a real live audience. First time since the podcast started. And now I get to share it with you. 
Tiffany co-founded a must-read newsletter that I miss so much, The Beat DC, to track politics from a Black, Indigenous, and person of color perspective. She's been a DC bureau chief, a labor organizer, and a fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School. Her book, Say It Louder, Black Voters, White Narratives, and Saving Our Democracy, was released in July of 2020 and could not have come at a more prescient time. Thank you so much. Oh my God, we back outside. This is lovely. Thank you. So listen, like before we really dive into the heavy stuff, the cross connection has been on the air for over a year now. You are breaking records. You are building a coalition of diverse voices that have never been seen together before on television. You have people's group chats popping every time you post a picture because people text me and they're like, do you know Tiffany Cross for real? Because she's fine. Can you pass her my number? And I'm like, Why no. you ain't pass the number though? <laughs> I got I to vet them, sis. I got to vet them. But my question truly is like, how does it feel to be the people's champ? Uh, well, thank you. Well, that means a lot coming from you. But first, let me just say, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you. I, I'm just honored and humbled that somebody would think I'm the people's champ. I mean, really, because I think the difference is a lot of us have been having these conversations for yeah. a very long time. But this is the first time our fellow countrymen are hearing a lot of these perspectives. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of folks in the rising majority who say, yeah, like you say what I'm thinking. You know, this is what we talk about at my kitchen table and, you know, at the barbershop. And so I take that responsibility very seriously. I'm also not trying to just reflect everyone's outrage. I want to make sure that we're always informing mm -hmm. as much as we are opining because we want to put journalism first. Yes. Uh, and I think coming out of the 2016 cycle where there was so much misinformation and intentional disinformation directed towards our, our community specifically, it had such credo because the mainstream news media outlets acted yeah. as though we didn't exist. Yeah. So if the only time you saw rage about a 12-year-old child being shot by a police officer mm -hmm. was in an internet meme yeah. or the only time you saw someone reflect your pain about Sandra Bland was in a Facebook post, yeah. then of course that was going to have more credo than a 24-hour news cycle who summarily dismissed our lived experience mm -hmm. because they thought, man, Donald Trump was elected. I can't we got to pay more attention to white people mm. and just completely dismiss. Everybody wanted to read Hillbelly Elegy. And right. That was the new audience. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Know what I mean. Exactly. And so I've tried to unapologetically censor voices of the rising majority because we are the global majority, the rising majority in the country. And it's not for, I'm quick to say, this is not a show for people of color. This is a show that centers people of color. And if we're to have intellectual curiosity about our fellow countrymen, everybody ought to tune in. This is the same way that I center black voices. I do AAPI voices That's as right. well, Latino voices and our indigenous brothers and sisters as well. And we also have, you know, guests on who are not of color, but we are asking them questions that center the rising majority of the country. Yeah. So I take it as a serious responsibility. I'm grateful because they wouldn't let me do it if nobody watched. So we're the <laughs> highest show on the weekend, which Woo! is great, a great honor. And much like my sister Joy Reid was before me. Yeah. So I have big shoes to fill. I'm still climbing. Okay, so let's get into it. One of the things I appreciate that you've been doing on Cross Connection, especially as we've been seeing... Supreme Court decision after decision is really contextualizing this and connecting the dots for people. Obviously, everybody in this room has the overturning of Roe versus Wade on their mind, especially one Renee Bracey Sherman. 
Renee, you have been in the fight for a long time. You were the first one in front of the Supreme Court screaming and yelling and making sure that folks were getting it done. You can hear her this season on the podcast with Gloria Steinem. I'm grateful to you for everything you're doing. So I know this is on everybody's mind. And one of the things you've been doing on your show, Tiffany, like I said, is, is to really connect the dots. So let's step back from Roe just for a second and really tell us what kind of court are we looking at right now? Because this is not the kind of court we've always had in this country. Yeah, well, we're looking at a court where it was normalized and almost celebrated to have the Supreme Court nominee talk about how much he likes beer and to present himself as a victim and then to get a large following of millions of people to also champion his victimhood. It's an activist court. They're legislating from the bench. You know, I think part of my frustration and our collective frustration is we have firsthand experience with what it looks like to have our rights denied. It's our birthright as soon as we're born. We're weaned on the knees of people who my mother wasn't born at a time where she could sit anywhere on the bus. This is very recent history for us. And so when we see these things happening in 2015, we are waving our hands and hair on fire, like, please stop. The danger in this court, I believe, because people were very quick to celebrate Justice Kentanji Brown Jackson, praise the Lord. But she's not changing the ideological makeup of the court. Right. So she's really just going to be a a voice of a woman who will routinely be overruled. When we talk about Roe, there's many challenges there, but I also think we have to keep our eye on what's coming. This court will rule Mm -hmm. on how to decide election results. This court will rule on affirmative action issues. This court will rule on death penalty issues. It's a wide swath. It feels like, not to be not hopeful, but it feels like we're witnessing in real time the series finale of America. Mm. So when they said it's a republic if you can keep it, Mm. To me, it looks like the answer is no, we cannot keep it. Wow. And I think that is what we've seen. It is um, the continuing dumbing down of the American electorate. And, you know, there are a lot of people who watch a network that I would consider a propaganda network. Because it is. Yes. (laughs) But the fact that they are the number one rated cable news network that people tune into ought to give you the chills. Because... They're not only cable news viewers, they're active voters. Mm -hmm. And so you have this entire group of people, they have a network telling them they're the victims. And they have a network telling them that a country they neither built nor discovered is theirs exclusively. And they believe it inherently. And when we try to explain, hey, it's not even you individually. We're not even mad at you individually. We Like the Jay-Z line, we're not looking at you, we're looking past you. This is systemic. Nobody's attacking you. If, if, if y'all are losing, I promise we're not winning. Mm. And so when we present this information to people in a way that is digestible, I'm intentional not to code switch on my show. I don't want to sound like some, you know, highbrow, pedantic academic, but just putting things in simple terms that people can understand, process, uh, and be angry about. I'm not necessarily interested in debating with the ignorant, but I do want to inspire the less or underinformed. Mm. So here we are, five days from a decision that had been broadcast before it came, but they didn't hurt any less once it got here. The decision to overturn Roe, of course, uh, we know that there are states where it is still legal to get abortion care. We know that medical abortion is still available in the form of the abortion pill. If you or anyone that you know is in need of abortion care, you need to visit INeedAnA.com. And if 
you or anyone you know is interested in making sure that people can get abortion care, you need to go to abortionfunds.org and put your money down and make sure that that can still happen. We know that my home state of Missouri decided to lead the pack in making sure that that trigger law went into effect right away. Obviously, black women, brown women, indigenous women, genderqueer folks, poor folks, disabled people, we are going to get the brunt end of this stick, but walk us through what that means and looks like specifically. Yeah, I would say to your point that we are overly policed and overly criminalized. Uh, an example of that before um, the ruling came down is a woman outside of Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. who gave birth at home. She had three children and was pregnant with a fourth and she gave birth at home and the baby was a stillborn and she was prosecuted. She was found not guilty but for two years, she was entangled in a very unforgiving criminal justice system where they scrubbed her phone. And this was all legal. They looked at her phone to see if she had Googled Plan B pill to see what her research was like. This is an impoverished woman who didn't want a fourth baby with three kids already at home yeah. and was being prosecuted by a legal system in Mississippi with some of the worst rates across child education, health care, et cetera, black mortality. mortality rates. Yeah. Exactly. And... You know, I know people keep saying we're in Gilead. And, you know, one of my producers made this really excellent point that we've been in Gilead before, many of us. Come on. Because when you talk about raping women, impregnating them, stealing their children, Say it. selling them off, Say it. while you take care of somebody else's kids, you know right. how deep down in your humanity you have to be as a woman and a mother to live and do that and not murder every single person in Come your on. sight? That story has already been told through the enslaved woman. Yeah. And so as we imagine this narrative, we know all too intimately this is not an imagined world. Mm -hmm. This is something that's really going to happen. And you're going to start to see, uh, because even if you cross state lines to get to a safe haven, safe harbor, New York is leading the way on that as well, mm -hmm. you can still be prosecuted mm -hmm. in your home state, number one. You can also face consequences. All these companies who are saying that they're going to provide abortion care. Well, whose campaign did you contribute to? Yeah. Did you fund the campaigns of people who were leading on the state level or the federal level abortion bans, number one? Number two, what does that look like for women? So I've now got to go to my boss and explain that I'm pregnant and I need Come an on. abortion, which is nobody's business. And three, this still positions us to ask for permission to have That's an abortion. Right. Can I please have time off to go get an abortion? So none of these solutions are really helpful. And I think we have to start holding the private sector accountable because I'm telling you, they put a lot of these people in office. They surely do. So, uh. amen and amen. Let's talk about electoral justice, to your point. We know that as people, thanks once again to this Supreme Court, they're so great, that we have as people even less power to have a say in who represents us. They've just done a number on voting rights. They've okay gerrymandering. What is the next step, right? Because we're talking about the challenges that we know keep coming and then we hear from people vote. Now I wanna get into that messaging in a second, but like what is the next step because it doesn't actually seem like that voting booth has the power that we were promised it does. Yeah, that, so that's the frustration, and that's probably our biggest challenge. First, I have to say, this is everybody's responsibility, but this is also a young person's game, you know, mm -hmm. because young people have the most to lose here. And so when I look at some of the voting turnout numbers, it is frighteningly low. 
in the primaries from Georgia to Pennsylvania, et cetera. I think with all due respect to our president, he operates from a point of assuming that these are inherently good people. Hmm. He operates from the Senate of 1975. Hmm. We know all too well what these people are capable of. Mm -hmm. We have the blood of the ancestors and the bruises of our mothers to know these are not inherently good people. And I just thought of the mantra, when they go low, we go high. (laughs) It is really time to fight. Mm. That is organizing, that's taking it to the streets, that's showing up at offices, that's making noise, that is, we'll talk about voting, but it really is voting from the state level to the local level to the federal level. It's organizing, it's writing a check, a $100 check if you can. But if everybody does something, nobody has to do a lot. And I ask that very question to everybody on my show. People at home are frustrated. What can they do? And the commonality that I hear from viewers and just, you know, people I meet is they're exhausted. And people who don't start their mornings reading eight newspapers and, you know, watching three different cable news networks to see what's happening, they're unplugged. Because they're like, I'm just trying to keep my mortgage paid. And you guys said this every year. Is this the election that matters? This is one our lives on the line. We risked life and limb during COVID to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. And we gave the federal government over to the Democrats. And what have we gotten? But there are things. Like a lot of people don't know about the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Right. But it's like if I can't tangibly touch that in my life tomorrow, I feel disconnected from it. So a part of it is also making sure our fellow people are informed and sharing responsibly. But, okay, so... There is, I would agree with you, an information gap. There's also a fight gap, right? Because I I find myself frustrated when the same solution I have is the same solution that an elected official has as if we have the same job. We don't have the same job. I voted for you to do it, right? What's, What's your plan, right? And public servants derive their power from the people, right? So to your point, as the people, it is our job to make our will known. What then is the pathway to make sure that they hear us and then act on that? Well, you know, I did um, labor organizing for some years and it really was grassroots. Yeah. But I think sometimes people think grassroots is, you know, in the rural areas or, you know, on the street corners. And grassroots is your community. Suburban white women can do grassroots organizing right in your community. Wait, say that one more time. Suburban white women can do organizing right in your community. Yes. I mean, that is grassroots organizing because you're talking to your friends. You're talking to the grandmother who has questionable views. You're talking to your sister-in-law who you know, says things like, well, they're racist against whites, you know, (laughs) like you have to disrupt some of these narratives and confront some of these ugly conversations because we do it all the time and it might be uncomfortable, but we've been uncomfortable a long time. So it's time for everybody to get a little comfortable, making everybody uncomfortable to make sure that we are taking an active role in this democracy. But I'm, I'm telling you, I think, um, I think after November, after the midterms, um, it's going to get real, real for a lot of people. Mm, and say I, more. Well, I'm concerned. Um, I don't think people understand enough about this midterm cycle. Outside, belt, the Beltway is a little different. But I think outside this place, I spent a lot of time in New York and L.A. And I'm telling you, in L.A., I mean, there are conversations I have where people are like, it's an election year? I'm like, but who's running? Like, what are you... Oh, yeah. Right. So information is a very big deal uh, and making sure that people are aware of, of what's happening. And But people have some responsibility too, but there are a lot of campaigns. The AAPI community is the fastest growing community in the country. That's right. Very rarely do campaigns focus 
on the That's APAC right. community. For the first time, Latino voters have eclipsed black voters, not in terms of registered voters, but in eligible voters. But who's talking to the Latino community? And you hear Democrats saying, I can appeal to those red state voters. I can win those swing voters. It's like, well, hey, how about you talk to me about how you can win me? Yeah. Before worrying about how you can reach across the aisle to somebody whose opinion and interests go against my very humanity. Yeah. And we don't have that in the Democratic Party. I think we need more of it. Amen. Yeah. On the other side of what we were just talking about, are there races, conversations that you're excited about this cycle that you feel like can help set some better conditions? Well, I grew up in Atlanta. So I'm very focused on the four-time father, Herschel Walker, and Raphael Warnock, <laughs> Face Off. That was shade if you didn't catch it. <laughs> um, I'm very focused on Stacey Abrams and her race after what she did for this country. That's right. Very focused. I, I, you know, I think Val Demings has a, has a rough time, but it's, it's Florida, you know. And so Marco Rubio, um, a Trump acolyte, seems to maintain his lead in the polling. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll see. But those, those two races are, are chief among them. Obviously, you know, a lot of the other folks are focused on Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I think John Fetterman has a shot. But I think Georgia is important because it says something about the South. The South is only red until it ain't. And it just takes people, enough people believing in us that we can do it. Because when you, it's like if you put in the group chat, hey, let's everybody meet for drinks tonight at seven. And then slowly but surely, it's like, oh, I can, I got the kids. And then somebody else is like, yeah, I can't make it either. It's like, well, damn, y'all more in the whole vibe. You know, <laughs> like now everybody's like, oh, nobody's going, I'm not going either. That's how it is in politics sometimes. Like, well, he can't win, so I'm not going to donate. Yeah. I'm not going to organize. I'm not going to door knock. Mm -hmm. And that kind of blows because if you believe and inspire enough, mm -hmm. then we are the majority in this country. None of these beliefs reflect the majority of Americans. Yeah. So if we're angry enough and inspired enough, certainly we ought to be able to set this country back on its rightful course, I would argue. Um, but I just haven't seen a lot of evidence of that in the footwork. One of the things we saw come out of really the last couple election cycles, right, is the mantra, listen to black women. And at first I was like, yeah, obviously, duh. We know America better than she knows herself. And yeah. we've been telling everyone what's coming for a very long time. Um, and we heard that mantra, especially in 2020, when Georgia flipped and folks were thanking people like Stacey Abrams and our good girlfriend, Latasha Brown and others. Um, we heard that in the election cycle before. What does that mean exactly, though, right now, especially given how quick folks are to say that and then not heed our warnings? Yeah. Very frustrating. I had a, a panel of white women on my show. I wanted to talk to only white women to talk about how we move this country forward together, to talk about why this particular voting block, the numbers show you know, voted more for Trump the second time around. White women voters in Georgia outpaced people to vote for Brian Kemp, an anti-abortion um, advocate. So I wanted to have that conversation. And what Lucy Caldwell, one of our, my favorite guests, was she's um, was a Republican, now she's libertarian, but she speaks very honest. So I just love having her on the show because she gives it to you straight, no chaser. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, honestly, Tiffany, it ain't bad to be a white girl. It doesn't matter who's in office. We're going to be all right. Mm. It's everybody else who's bad. And then so we start thinking of ourselves like everybody else is going to be a hard argument to make. I rock with her, though, because she was honest. Yeah. And it was very true. I was like, that is a very good point. Mm. This is all kind of abstract if you don't have a direct. I mean, abortion is different. But all the other Black Lives Matter policy, everybody was fine to put a Black Lives Matter sign in the window. But you want to talk about changing policy? Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. You were talking about defunding the police? Hold right, on. Yeah. right. Um, and what that means and what that looks like. So, you know, I think um, 
if we are to be each other's allies, uh, it can't just be an ally when mm. it's convenient. Yeah. Or when it's comfortable. It's kind of like when something bad happens and you're out in public and maybe some white person comes and they're like, get out the way. I'm in line before you. And then it happens and you're standing there humiliated and angry and, you know, like, here we go again. And afterwards, there are all these other white people who come up and they're like, I just can't believe what I saw. That is inappropriate and I don't like it one bit. And it's like, well, thank you. But really what you could have done is in the moment say to that person, hey, we don't tolerate that kind of behavior here, and you get out of here. When you do it afterwards, it's like, thank you for your empathy, mm. but I want you in this fight with me side by side. When yeah. I looked to my left and my right, I would have locked arms with you, and no, I got your back and you got mine. Yeah. And again, I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. I have personally in my life mm-hmm. a time or two, but not by the masses. She said a time or two. <laughs> I have, not by the masses, um, and I think we need to see more. Okay, so let, let's keep pulling this thread, though. It's about to get sticky, okay. okay? Let's do it. So sometimes when I see people shouting the phrase, listen to black women, follow black women, what I actually hear in their voice is, listen to black women, follow black women, because I expect them to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, y- y'all, like, y'all got it. You're the geniuses. Please Come save us, right? That was everybody's favorite phrase. Are you noticing the same? I think with the abortion ruling that it's been a little different. Mm. But but I do think there are a lot of communities, not just white women, but I think because black women have saved this democracy more times than I can remember or recount here, that a lot of communities look to black women to see how do we even do this. Mm. So there is a sect of people who are like, I'm going to sit back here and wait for y'all to fix this and then I'll come back outside. Mm -hmm. But there are also people who are like, I don't even know where to begin, but Mm -hmm. black women seem to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. And what do I do? Those are the people. The people who are sitting there are a lost cause. Like, I just, I, it's not not my ministry to talk to them. You know, it truly isn't. But the people who are saying, I want to be in this fight. I just don't even know how to do it. I think those there is a, an avenue there to, to create allyship there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, black women, I think we save ourselves mm-hmm. and everybody else benefits. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily out here hanging American flags. It means something different for us, you yeah. know, but damn sure we're the biggest patriots of the country for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to get even stickier. Let's do it. Sometimes as black women, yes. we can be vaulted to our own detriment. Here's what I mean by that. Our Good sister Ayanna Presley says all the time, representation matters, but righteous representation is better. Yes. Right? And I don't want to operate in a world where only by virtue of my identity am I supposed to be some kind of magical Negro Mm -hmm. that has figured it all out and therefore can teach everybody else. Because I will tell you, over the last six years, my politic has shifted greatly. Partially because I've read a bunch of other black women who I was, wasn't reading before. Partially because I've been listening to a bunch of black queer folks I didn't know before, mm-hmm. right? Partially because I was listening to some revolutionary folks across the globe that I wasn't yeah. familiar with before. Yeah. So what will it look like, sister to sister, yeah. for us to decide to continue to push our own politic and understanding and knowledge? So you know you and I have been in the fire together a time or two. <laughs> for expressing our sentiment. And when we have a certain idea, I think we are of similar mindset where we are not fearful of it. There are a set of black people who are so used to filtering their every thought and move through the Mm. filter of what white folks will allow. Uh 
that uh-huh. we can be perceived as ingrates and troublemakers. Mm-hmm. Where we have somehow penetrated our mind where it's okay for gun rights advocates to unapologetically show up in militia and hold guns in you know their hands yeah. and over my dead body. It's okay for the Christian right to make a fuss about you know stem cell research. Mm-hmm. Evangelicals can go out and make these demands, but how dare you black folks yeah. go ask the good Mr. Charlie who's been good to us for all this time. Right. And let us sit right. Yeah. Let us sit wherever we want on the bus. And y'all expect to drive the bus now? And it's hard to explain to people outside the community. There are a group of black people who feel that way, who are voters, who look at like just don't ask. Who are fearful, right? It's fear. You can't be mad at them. Yeah, it comes from a real place. Fear. These are, and I don't say this to be funny, but I mean, it's a phrase we say all the time. These are the very people who Harriet would have said, no, nah, Slim, you got to stay on the plantation because <laughs> you're scared to go to freedom. Yeah. You're not even ready. We can't risk you getting scared and yeah. running off and telling everybody to plan. So you have to stay. And I think as our politics shift, we will see more of that. We have to remember, for those of uh, us of a certain age, Obama's presidency was major. It was earth shattering. Yeah. It opened and expanded what was possible in this country. For a lot of younger folks, Obama was the floor, That's not right. the ceiling. Yeah. They're like, we saw what you did. What's next? Right, right. And I don't think a lot of people are ready to receive that message because they're still in the space of being fearful and grateful yeah. for crumbs. Well, ready or not, here they come, right? Um, amen and amen. Yeah. I'm curious what you think about today's continued resistance in the media space to platforms that are run by progressive black women and gender queer folks who are challenging some of those notions that we know make mainstream media comfortable. It is um, a highly frustrating part. I can't even tell you how often still to this day that I will tune in and see a discussion on Latino voters and not a single Latino voters in sight. You know, Cesar Conde, who's the chair of the NBC News Group, has an unapologetic plan to make sure the newsroom looks like America and 50% of all hires will be women and people of color. And eventually he wants the newsroom to look like that. Um, But there are still, you know, challenges to overcome um, because when you hire a bunch of people, if every, all the diversity is at the bottom, then they're not in a decision-making position. It's also a sacrifice. I know that because of the conversations I have on the show, that I am putting a cap on how far I'm going to go. There is a limit to my success in this landscape that is not run by folks who have decision-making power, who value my perspective all the time. But let me just say, I would rather do that and be a voice and advocate for my people Mm. than sit and smile in the face of bullshit Mm. and get to host the Today Show. Mm. You can keep it. But so here we are in this moment in our girlfriend's group chat. You gave us a bit of a poll a couple of days ago because you were still trying to figure out how to search for hope Hope, and inspiration. And so you asked us, how are you all finding hope? I'm curious to know after all of your informal polling, what have you centered on as, as your strategy to, to practice hope, because Miriam Kaba reminds us that hope is a discipline. So I asked, what's keeping you ladies hopeful? Yeah. And your answers are always helpful. I told her I've been praying, because that's all yeah. I got. But that's a lot. Yeah. But also just having a safe space to have those conversations. Yeah. You know, that gives me hope, that I can show up to a, a group chat room full of women who um, understand me. 
but the person gives me the hope most often, um, who is like one of the few people who can just make me cry just by talking to me regular, Latasha Brown. I know you're going to say it. Yeah. I mean, she is just the best of us. She didn't get in this space to be in the public eye. She never waits for someone to ask her to do anything. She just jumps in the fight and goes. She's the embodiment of love. I mean, we're all, you know, somewhat close in age. So this isn't, you know, because Latasha's um, older or anything, but she has that matriarchal spirit. And so I was trying to describe her to somebody who didn't know her. And I was like, I can't explain it, but she sings beautifully. And when I'm around her, I just want to lay my head in her bosom. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might have done that before. Right? She makes you feel like that. She's like, come, come. But when she talks about, I cried when when she first told this story. I'm not going to cry tonight. But she talks about, when we talk about losing hope and lacking imagination And Latasha said, I'm going to tell you the story of the enslaved woman, and I'm going to take you 100 years in. Her grandmother was a slave. Her mother was a slave. Her daughter's going to be a slave, and her granddaughter's going to be a slave. And like she said, she said, these women had their babies ripped from them Mm -hmm. and stolen while they nursed this white woman's baby, while the husband was raping them, Mm -hmm. getting beat by these people. Humanity beat out of us. Mm And she said that woman could imagine a world Mm. in which we will one day be free. Mm -hmm. She never lost hope. Mm. We cannot lose hope. Mm. Then I feel shame for losing hope. Mm. Then I'm like, let's get out there and fight. Let's Mm -hmm. like, what are we going to do? Give us our marching orders. Mm -hmm. I am ready. But that story alone makes me ask how, how dare you ever even be tired? Mm. We have a right to be tired, Mm -hmm. but it makes me feel like, Think about what the people before you went through. Mm. It was a lot worse than what society looks like. I don't want to pretend that we haven't made progress. Well, today does not look like 1965. It's incremental and we're fighting some of the battles, revisiting some of the battles. And if we can move the needle that much after yeah. 400 plus years of oppression and what I would call a nightmare for so many of our, our people, I just, I have to have hope because mm. they had hope. Tiffany, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for everything that you do. Tune into the Cross Connection every Saturday. Make sure you pick up Say It Loud if you haven't. I am Brittany Packnett Cunningham, your host of Undistracted. Thank you to all of you for showing us your beautiful faces and being a community tonight. Make sure that wherever you are going back to, that you do whatever you can do to make sure we all get free. Thanks, y'all. Have a great night. Imagine a world where being an outspoken Black woman who makes sure her airwaves are filled with an accurate reflection of America, uncompromisingly daring to platform the truth and unflinchingly challenging us to live out our ideas. Imagine a world where being that woman doesn't keep you from doing whatever you want in the world. It actually wins you the seat. Like Tiffany, many of us have long known that the life paths we've chosen and the truths we've chosen to tell could cost us. But the exciting part is that together, we are building a world where that gains reward, not punishment. I don't want us to have to be daring just to tell the truth. It should be the standard. Journalists and public thinkers shouldn't have to be brave to call it out because our entire function is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. 
If you're not willing to do that, then by all means, make space for somebody who will. But if you know, like I know, that that is actually the only way to live, get in. We're going to go tear some shit up. it for today but never ever for tomorrow undistracted is a production of the meteor and pineapple street studios our lead producer is rachel ward our associate producers are alexis moore and mary alexa cavanaugh thanks always to treasure brooks hannis brown davy sumner and raj makija our executive producers at the meteor are cindy levy and myself and our executive producers at pineapple are jenna weiss berman and max linsky you can follow me at miss pacchetti on all social media and our amazing team at the meteor subscribe to undistracted and rate and review us y'all on apple podcasts and most places you check out your favorite podcasts thanks for listening thanks for being and thanks for doing i'm Brittany packet at cunningham let's go get free y'all